talking and it don't make sense Tell me what it's all about The truth is stranger the closer you get To the who, what, where, when, how Absurd is the word, guess what I heard Absurd is the word, guess what I heard Guess what I heard Guess what I heard Hey guys, this is Know What I Heard. I'm Jamie, and this episode is about asexuality. Asexuality is something that is really misunderstood. There are a lot of very negative attachments to it, and I don't think a lot of people have a really strong grasp on what an asexual is. So I was joined by Courtney Lane, who's an open asexual. She's married to another asexual. And she answered a lot of my questions about asexuality. I was really grateful for the opportunity to sit down with Courtney and just kind of clear up a lot of the misconceptions about asexuality. So I hope you guys enjoy. Here's my conversation with Courtney. Well, thank you for doing this again. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. I'm always game to talk a little asexuality. Yeah, this is what I've been excited about because I I talk about a lot of different stuff but when it's something that I truly feel that 99% of the people that will listen have very little grasp on it that it's Mm -hmm. extra important to me to share so it's just kind of something that really needs to be cleared up so I appreciate you sharing and doing that so you you identify as as asexual so could you just kind of explain what asexuality is? Yeah, well, every time I explain my story, I feel like it's very important to emphasize the fact that asexuality is a spectrum, much like all other sexualities. Um, So my experience could be a little different from other asexual people, but what really sort of is the common thread amongst all asexual people is that we are not sexually attracted to any gender. I think when people think of an asexual, it's kind of that like spinster. I just picture like a woman living on the coast of Maine alone and never was with anyone and just kind of lives life on their own and that there's kind of just this stigma of sadness and loneliness that's attached to it but in reality somebody is probably absolutely content (laughs) in that yeah well and there are a lot of different layers to that as well because you really have to define several different types of attraction in order to understand not only asexuality, but sexuality in general, because just because you may not be sexually attracted to men or women or both or anyone in between, um, doesn't necessarily mean that you can't be romantically attracted to them. There are certainly some people who are aromantic and don't want any sort of romantic relationship, but there are plenty of asexuals, myself included, who do form romantic feelings for other people, even though they aren't necessarily sexual. Gotcha. And so you're you're married, correct? I am married, and we are both asexual. Interesting. Okay, so can you go into that a little bit about how you met and what that means? Sure. So <laughs> our our story of meeting is kind of funny to me because we actually met online, which I I obviously there's no issue meeting people online whatsoever. But at the time in my life when I met Royce, my spouse, um, I was basically strong-armed into getting online by friends of mine. (laughs) I was very much not online. I didn't have a smartphone. I didn't even have a computer until like a month before I got online. (laughs) So 
Uh, with that context in mind, it was very unusual that we met online. But I, I had these friends who kept saying, you know, you should just get on and meet people. Now, by this time, I knew very well that I was asexual and dating as an asexual woman can be really difficult because there are a lot of people who don't understand it, especially, I mean, at the time I was a young woman and there are a lot of, you know, <laughs> young men out there who are uh, looking for a relationship that is very sexual in nature. And that wasn't something I wanted. So even though I knew that I ultimately wanted a romantic relationship or that I potentially wanted one, I wasn't necessarily looking to date at the time. So my whole idea of getting online was just to meet friends, honestly, because, you know, meeting friends as an adult can also be difficult. So I had some friends who just absolutely swore by getting online and meeting people. I actually signed up for on on my friend's uh, recommendation for OKCupid because at the time they did not have asexuality as an orientation. Luckily they do now, like seven years later, but they didn't at the time. But they did say, I'm only looking for friendship. So that's what I marked. I'm only looking for friendship and started talking to people. I was still very reluctant still wasn't on board with the meeting people. There were still people who didn't really respect my only looking for friendship thing. Um, so it wasn't going very well at first, but you know, I, I had this very good friend. She just kept sending me links to interesting people saying, start talking to this person. I bet you'd hit it off with them. This would be a really good friend to you. And one day at, at the time I lived in South Dakota <laughs> and she sent me a profile to someone who lived in Kansas. She said, hey, talk to this person. And I said, why would I talk to this person in Kansas? And she goes, oh, I don't know. Maybe you want to go visit Kansas and you'll have a place to stay if you're on vacation. <laughs> and that that uh, that conversation didn't go well. I, I did not continue talking to that person. But since I did talk to that person, the website algorithm must have sensed that I was looking for people in Kansas because the very first time I thought, you know, I'm actually going to go into this with an open mind. I'm going to really try to connect with someone this time. Uh, first time I logged on, I see my now spouse's face right there. Just started reading, you know, Royce had a snake and I once upon a time used to be a zookeeper and I loved working with the snakes and um, just kept reading about this person. It's seeming so interesting. I was like, yeah, I could be friends with this person. And then at the very, very bottom of Rice's profile, I read, I am asexual. <laughs> and I thought, wow, this is crazy. I have, I have to reach out. And so I did. And after sharing just a couple of messages, I, I texted my friend who got me on this website and I said, you know, I think... I'm going to marry this person. <laughs> and lo and behold, we did. So that was pure coincidence. It was, it was absolutely wild because as I said, this website did not have the option to put asexuality as your orientation. It was only by happenstance that I read to the bottom and saw that line. And, and the, the rest, I suppose they say is history. <laughs> That's awesome. For someone who's listening to this and going, okay, how the hell are you asexual and married? Like that doesn't make any sense. That's obviously incorrect. But can you kind of describe your relationship as far as like being romantic? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and I, I do get this a lot. So I, I would totally understand that, that people listening out there might be confused, but I'll often get the question like, oh, so you're married, but you're asexual, so you're just like roommates? N no, we're, we're not roommates. Um, even though our attraction is not sexual, and even though, you know, sex isn't an important part of the relationship, we are very much romantic and in love and it, it has always been that way from the start. Um, and the way for us, I mean, we, we do have a bit of a love language of touch. I mean, we hug, we cuddle, but it, it's very often just in the 
little, you know, romantic gestures and the way that we take care of each other. Um, the, the day when I really, really, I mean, I, I know the very day that I started talking to Rice, I said, I'm going to marry this person. That was, you know, half-heartedly a joke because the first day you can't possibly know. But the time that really, really told me that that this was right was actually I was I was coming down to Kansas to visit. And in the middle of the night, very, very dark night, we I um, had a horrible, horrible rollover car crash. And it was it absolutely totaled my car. It was the middle of the night. I rolled into the ditch. I smashed a concrete barrier. It was amazing. My phone had been thrown from the car all the way to the other side of the interstate. So I couldn't even call for help. And it was miraculous that I was even conscious. (laughs) But I had to flag down uh, other vehicles to try to pull over and help me and call for help. So I had to, of course, call Royce and say, hey, I'm, you know, over an hour north and I had a horrible car crash and and I need you to come pick me up. And so Royce drove up, came to get me. I had a lot of pretty bad injuries. I had a really deep puncture wound in my knee. I had a horrible gash in my hand. So I I was really in quite a state. I had glass all over my hair (laughs) and... That weekend, Royce took such good care of me. Um, Royce woke up like early, early in the morning the very next day to get to the pharmacy as soon as it opened to get more bandages and wrappings. And, uh, you know, while he was out, he picked up my favorite cereal for breakfast, which I had mentioned offhandedly months ago. And had forgotten I even mentioned it. And that was just a little thing that Royce remembered and and did to, to make me feel a little better and make sure I was taken care of. And so that, that was really like, you know, the, the, the trope of getting married is, you know, in sickness and in health. And that was, that was kind of the in sickness and in health moment. Like this is a person who is here for me. So it, it's things like that, but, um, you know, everyone does have different love languages, so no two relationships are going to be completely the same, but we don't really fight like I see a lot of, um, like a lot of couples fight over little things, but we'll have little petty debates about silly things like Royce is very much a technology person and obviously I am not. So Royce will debate the the uh, merits of uh, ebooks <laughs> and I will say, but I like physical books. I like holding them. And, um, you know, Royce is just so clever. He'll be able to counter with like, oh, it's better for the environment. Well, yeah, obviously. And you know, it's cheaper. Well, yeah, obviously. And I'll say, but what about the smell of a book? And then this smart ass will go and three months later will bring me a birthday present. That's a book scented candle after I'd already <laughs> forgotten this conversation three months later. So, so just uh, little, little things like that, just really being attentive to one another, listening to each other and, you know, doing things to take care of each other and, and, uh, make each other happy. Right. Yeah. I think that like sex is a very, I I don't even know how to, how to say it, but I think it's, there's just too much emphasis put on the sexual component of a relationship when you guys are so obviously in tune with each other and your needs that for people to be so judgmental about sex not being a part of a relationship is kind of mind-boggling to me. If you think about it this way, because obviously it's it's so hard to fully put yourself in someone's shoes if it's an experience that's so vastly different from your own. But if if you think about it this way, people always separate sex from romance. I, I see, you know, 
I see sexual people or, you know, we would say allosexual people is the opposite of asexual. So allosexual would encompass, you know, heterosexual, homosexual, bisexual. It's just sort of the umbrella for someone who is sexual. Um, I, I see people like that all the time, you know. Some people do like casual sex or, you know, one night stands, hookups. And if you can have that sex without that romance, why can't romance without sex exist? I mean, people are separating it all the time. So when it comes to our relationship where we we do have it as, as a separate thing and we do still have the romance, um, it, it's it's hard for me to understand because it's so natural to me why other people can't necessarily wrap their head around that. Right. So what are the biggest like stereotypes and just kind of misconceptions about asexuality? Oh, there, there are so many, (laughs) there are so many. Um, I would say one of the biggest ones is that it's a choice. And there are certainly people who abstain from sex For a reason, they are making a choice, but that is not what asexuality is. This is not abstinence. It is not celibacy. Those things imply that you're making a conscious decision to not have sex for whatever your own personal motives are. The, The misconception is that it's not a valid orientation, which it is. This is, this is an orientation just like you wouldn't tell, you know, a gay person that it's their choice to be gay. (laughs) You also shouldn't uh, assume that an asexual person is making a choice to be asexual. Like, how did you figure out or come to the understanding that you were asexual? Well, I kind of knew before I had a term for it. You know, as a young lady, as a teenager, you know, people really, I feel especially because, you know, I grew up as a woman, I feel like women and girls get exposed to being sexualized way younger and way earlier than they should in our society. There were many circumstances where I felt like I was being sexualized by boys, by older men, even by society in general. Um, And it it never sat right. And when it got to a time where I was old enough to start dating, I did want to date, I did have an interest in it. But the interest in sex never came. And even such common language, you know, um, as a teenager, you know, talking to your girlfriends, they might be like, Oh, that guy's so sexy. I could never relate to that. I could never relate to looking at someone and thinking that they were sexy. And likewise, I I never liked when other people would call me sexy because <laughs> it just didn't feel right. It didn't seem to sit. And so I I kind of just felt that way for years and years before I ever had a word for it and it, it finally got to a time after I'd already had a couple of, you know, a couple of serious relationships that lasted a couple of years each. It was like, what, what is wrong with me that this is not a thing that I like? And I, I did have, you know, I had doctors who were always trying to, you know, make sure I had a pregnancy test before going into an x-ray. It's like, I'm not pregnant. I promise you, and they'll say like, well, we can't take your word for it. You said you're in a relationship. So just things like that just really start to get to you and you start to wonder like, is there something wrong with me? And I would even see things on media that were implying that I did have something medically wrong with me, mentally or emotionally wrong with me. And I can't say that I ever really internalized that. I know that a lot of young asexual people do, but I I was a bit stubborn and I was like, there must be, (laughs) there must be a word for this. There must be others like me. So I I did actually uh, turn to the internet and did some investigating and 
the first time I really had the word asexual um, was when I found a website called AVEN, A-V-E-N, which stands for Asexual Visibility and Education Network, I believe. And that was sort of the first community I found of asexual people because I I didn't, to my knowledge, know any other asexual people in my life. (laughs) And anytime I would talk about my feelings or I suppose lack thereof, I wouldn't uh, have any sort of understanding. I wouldn't have any friends that would say, you know, I believe you and I support you. They'd be like, oh, that's weird. (laughs) And I mean, even as a teenager, I had a lot of queer friends. I had a lot of queer friends, actually. Most of them were. (laughs) And I I would see friends, you know, come out as gay, come out as bi, and our whole friend group would be like, yeah, we support you. This is great. And then I'd say like, I don't have sexual feelings to everyone. And they'd be like, eh, you, you will someday. <laughs> You'll meet the right person. And and so it, it was very much um, almost isolating in that sense at a young age. But uh, once I once I had the word, once I had the terminology, it was very easy to just double down and say, yes, I am asexual. I am romantically inclined. I am looking for a romantic relationship. And from from there, you can start to really lean into your identity and see how it feels and experiment with it. You know, at the time I came out as asexual, I thought I was what you would call a heteroromantic asexual, where you have romantic feelings toward the opposite sex. But it, it really turns out that that's not even a good fitting description for me anymore because, um, you know, Royce, my spouse of nearly seven years now, is agender. And that kind of makes all the sense in the world to me because even when I was trying to date guys, it didn't quite feel right. <laughs> but um, those were also people I was dating. They also were sexual they they wanted to have a sexual relationship and there was some tension when I did not want to reciprocate that so whenever you did accept that identity and come out what were the reactions from friends and family were they supportive I didn't have anyone who was blanketly not supportive But I definitely did have some people who didn't quite get it at first and maybe needed a little time. Like they they were willing to learn, but they needed to learn to understand. Um, Amongst my friend groups, I had kind of met some new friends recently. Um, Actually, one story is quite funny. The the very friend, uh, in fact, her name is Andy. I love her to death. She she's the one who got me on OkCupid in the first place. The first several times I saw her, uh, she wasn't sure if if we were going out on dates or if we were meeting as friends. <laughs> and so when I finally said, "Oh, I'm asexual," she's like, "Oh, thank goodness! I can I can drop this sexual tension I'm feeling." <laughs> and um, and she was very very supportive. She was like, "Yeah, I I I love you. I support you," and that was great. When it came to my family, um, I actually didn't officially come out to my family until after I was married (laughs) because I didn't feel like I had to. I felt like, you know, I'm in this relationship. My my family was really consistent. It it only consisted of my mother and my grandmother. It's not that I have a large family, but... um, you know, I had a relationship. It was, I, I guess, what you would consider to be straight passing. I mean, we're both uh, asexual. And as I mentioned, you know, Royce is in the non-binary spectrum. Um, so from the outside, it could be a straight passing relationship. And they they loved Royce already. And I was like, I probably don't even need to cover this. It's It's fine. We'll just skirt past that. But once you get married... In at least in a straight passing relationship, you start getting all these questions like, "Ooh, when are the kids coming?" Or you'll start getting, you know, like a little wink and a nudge, like, and that was just very uncomfortable for the both of us. So I thought, okay, well, I guess we do have to have this conversation. I was most nervous with my grandmother just because uh, 
my my grandma was a cool grandma. <laughs> she was very openly sexual. <laughs> she really was. Um, from a from the time I turned twelve, she would you know comment on guys' butts right in front of me, <laughs> that kind of a thing. <laughs> and so I was like, oh, how do I explain this to grandma? And she was a very queer friendly person. You know, she had she had friends who were gay. She. You know, she watched Ellen DeGeneres every day. So I I almost felt like going into it, if I were to come out to my grandma as gay, I feel like she would be wholeheartedly like, yes, I'm on board. I love you. I support you. And I was like, she probably doesn't know what this is and she probably can't relate at all. <laughs> so I actually took her out for uh, margaritas and we got a little bit, I got her a little bit tipsy before I told her. Mm-hmm. And um, at first she was just like, what? What? And she she really was not grasping it. But after I, after I explained it for a while, she was very patient. Um, she was just like, wow. And she, she loved Rice, as I said. She loved our relationship. She thought that the two of us together were just the coolest thing. She was always telling her friends about how, you know, seeing the two of us together gives her such huge hopes for our future because we're just such a great couple. So she loved us as concept. But um, then after really understanding everything, she's like, wow that must be why you guys are such a great couple because you don't have to worry about all the all the messy drama that comes with sex things <laughs> it's like well that's that's not completely correct because of course an asexual couple could have the same the same struggles as any other couple but um she 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 did some time to learn and she was she was very very supportive and th- there were a couple of side comments from other people in my life that were like, yeah, but you're still gonna like suck it up and have sex to have kids, right? <laughs> Just things like that, that um, weren't the most supportive, but um, over time, I feel like everyone in my life has gotten there. Oh, good. So what are the, some of the worst or, or like the most offensive things that people can say regarding asexuality? Oh, there are so many. <laughs> it's like, what the, what's the crap you hear over and over? I hear a lot of things over and over, unfortunately, especially online, especially on Twitter. <laughs> um, there are actually, and this is little known to people outside of the asexual community, but there are like targeted hate groups on Twitter who will add asexual people and asexual accounts to these group chats where they will name the chats like things that seem really friendly, like asexual support group and things like that. And once they add you to this group, they will just start absolutely tearing into you, just saying the most hideous things you can think of. Of course, the 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 good old go to you're going to hell. <laughs> Don't know why. Oh, Don't know why this would warrant going to hell. But then they just get really, and I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna give a a little bit of a content warning here. Just what a lot of women here online just you know. Uh, I I hope you get raped or like one night in my bed and and I'll fix you and I'll make sure that you won't be asexual anymore and just really hideous nasty things and it's it's really terrible <laughs> and it's um it's something that isn't really known even within the greater LGBT community there are people who think that you know asexual people are just kind of sitting on the periphery and don't necessarily experience the same hate that other sexual orientations do but um, we do get that hate and we do get a lot of horrible ableism as well. And, but I have a, a genetic disorder, something that's quite uh, physical and neurological in nature, but we'll get a lot of people saying as, as if there's anything wrong with this, like, oh, using, throwing out like autistic as an insult and, 
you're autistic and that's why you're asexual. And that's just, it's wrong on so many levels because that is not an insult. It is ableist. It's, it's medicalizing asexuality in a nasty way. You're trying to say that there is, there is something wrong with you and this is why you are this way. And that, that is not the case. That has never been the case. There are disabled people who are asexual. There are autistic people who are asexual. There are people who are completely able-bodied who are asexual. So it's a spectrum and our experiences are so different. And so those, those are just sort of the, the nasty things that we hear over and over again. Well, and the hypocrisy of it, I mean, maybe these aren't the same people, but it seems like it could be the same people that are pushing abstinence and being judgmental of, you know, a teenager having sex or whatever are the same people that would be judging you for not having sex and not having that interest. It's kind of like, can you win? Does it matter? You can never win. (laughs) You can never win with these people because these are people who hate for the sake of hate. And they can justify to themselves all day long that they have a reason to hate the people they hate. But at the end of the day, they're they're just looking for someone to unleash their hatred onto completely uh, unjustifiably. Um, so these might be a little bit personal. So if you don't want to answer them, please let me know. Sure. But I was kind of curious... If asexuality is is not having a sexual, you know, an attraction to someone else, is masturbation something that's in play with asexuals? Well, that's actually a really good question because that really lends itself, the, the answer lends itself to the spectrum of asexuality because lots of asexual people do masturbate. But not everybody, Um, you know, where I fall in the spectrum, I don't really have that libido. And there are some asexual people who do have that libido. So it's everyone's experience is different. Just because someone says they're asexual does not mean that they have a low libido. So again, don't mistake a medical or a bodily function with the orientation of the person uh, because those are different and there there very much are some asexual people who if they were for example in a relationship with someone who is sexual they might be you know sex neutral or even sex positive and say you know with the right person I I will have a sexual relationship with them everybody is different I I'm on um I suppose I don't know if conservative is the right word because that almost implies that it's a choice or lifestyle, but I'm, I'm almost on the, the lower side of the spectrum where I, I don't have that uh, libido, but others do. This was just kind of something I was curious about. Do you have sex dreams? No, I never have personally, which is, ac- that's actually a good question. I don't think anyone's ever asked me that before, but I don't. I imagine that i mean i mean i'm sure there are asexual people who do or have but but that's not been my experience i mean this this definitely falls into the being courteous and aware of asexual people but i think this is just kind of a good rule in general because i've been in situations where there might be a big group of people out at dinner or having drinks or whatever and the topic of sex comes up And it seems like it's usually people who are very sexual Mm. kind of put this spin on like, oh, my God, I would die if I didn't have sex every day or Mm -hmm. I, you know, and it just makes it awkward when you have one couple that's obviously just rabbits, you know, going nuts all the time. And then another couple that maybe once a week or once a month is is fine with them. And I think that people need to be aware of that a a sexual, like a healthy sexual relationship isn't determined by 
quantity. It's determined by what the people in that relationship are both comfortable with or multiple people, whatever your situation is, but all people involved are comfortable with. And I just think that it can create this awkwardness and this judgment that can make other couples question the healthiness of their relationship when it's fine for them. Does that make sense? I don't know if yeah. I'm... No, it makes sense. It makes perfect sense. And I, I've definitely been in, in similar situations. You know, I'm never opposed to, you know, having an open conversation about sex because I think it is important for people to talk about it um, because for people who do have that as a component in their relationship... They need to make sure that it is a healthy part of their relationship. But I think in any conversation with, you know, sex, relationships, health, anything, it's just so important to remember that what works for you is not going to work for everyone else. <laughs> and I think if people just really keep that in mind, I think the world would be a better place in general. I would never want someone to look at my relationship and pity us because we're not having great sex every night, you know? I I wouldn't right. want that because we are very happy and we are very happy with the state of our relationship and all relationships and all sexualities are a spectrum. So there there are just so many different types of experiences that can all be healthy and fulfilling in their own right. And I, I don't think anyone should ever try to press a different lifestyle onto anyone else, whether that's sex or otherwise. So what can people do to be allies or more supportive of the asexual community? Well, first and foremost, I think is just education. If someone listening to this is, you know, having their eyes open for the first time, if they didn't really know much about asexuality, I'd encourage them to continue reading up on different experiences that people have. Um, learn about the the spectrum and learn about just whatever you can. Read Read personal experiences online. That is one of the coolest things that we have access to modern day is that you can go on to things like Reddit, you can go on to Facebook groups, and you can read such a diverse array of experiences firsthand from people. And I think that's very, very valuable because like with anything that might be foreign or unknown to you at first, education will really help you understand. And you really, I don't think you can be a good ally until you understand it. And from there, just, just what I would recommend with, you know, being an ally to any group of people, if you see any hate online, call it out, <laughs> tell, tell them it's not okay. If you're in a friend group, if you have an asexual friend and you're out at a party or out in an event and the conversation turns very sexual. Um, if that's something, you know, they're not comfortable with, like maybe you can be the voice to turn the conversation around uh, without calling too much attention to it because people are all at different journeys and different experiences. Um, I, I'm at a point where I'm very comfortable. I'm very happy and I'm very willing to be sort of a, a public education voice where I'm willing to put myself out there and try to teach people things more. And that's why I love doing podcasts like this and writing online and ab about the asexual experience or the variety of asexual experiences. But I would say that if you meet someone who comes out to you as asexual in your regular life, the best rule of thumb is not to jump to the same kind of questions that you would hear on a podcast like this or an article you read online, because I'm putting myself in a position where I'm very comfortable answering the questions about, you know, masturbation, about my relationship. I'm, I'm perfectly comfortable with that. And I'm here as someone saying I'm willing to talk about this for the sake of education, but it's really not 
usually appropriate if you just meet an asexual person out at a bar to jump into questions like, do you masturbate? Have you ever had sex? Are you a virgin? Um, Questions like that can be really, really invasive, especially if this is someone who maybe hasn't had the terminology, hasn't been able to say I'm asexual for very long. Um, Those questions can be really difficult for someone if you just put them on the spot like that in, in a personal capacity. So that's why reading the experiences or listening to the experiences of people online who are willingly putting that vast array of experiences out there um, is the most powerful thing that you can do as an ally. I mean, I haven't noticed a real strong representation of asexuality in you know TV and film or online, really. Are you noticing that there's kind of an an increase in awareness and representation? There is. We have a long way to go, but there is. Since I found the term asexual, well, truthfully, I mean, I'll, I'll say this much. Before I found Avon online and before I found that community and I could subscribe asexuality to myself, I actually very, very first watched a horrible, horrible episode of House, House MD, where there was a moment where someone was saying, oh, I'm asexual and I'm married and my husband's also asexual. And that sort of got my interest going. And that's what sort of got me to start looking things up because I thought, oh, that that sounds like my experience or that sounds like the experience I want to have. But that episode, I mean, anyone who's ever watched House, you know, the the really grumpy, cynical doctor has to find the obscure <laughs> medical diagnosis. And by the end of it, he proves that one of the people in the couple has a brain tumor and the other one was lying to the other for years. <laughs> so mm, nice. that was horrible. That was the first time that an asexual character was on sort of a a major network television show. And that was horribly detrimental. Um, I I was really excited. They they, they had me in the first half, (laughs) but, but then they said, no, you're either, you're either sick or you're lying. And there's no in between because all humans have sex. Everyone has sex. Sex makes us human. Uh, by the way, as an ally, refrain from all of those. <laughs> I hear that all the time. You're like, oh, but sex makes us humans. Like almost every animal in the animal kingdom has sex actually. <laughs> right, yeah. So I don't Jeez. even know what that means. But there, there is very much a, a dehumanizing of asexual people. People think we're cold and unfeeling and robots. And, and that's very much not the case. But if, if you think about it, it, it it does make sense that there is a, a growing community of asexual people. There's more education. There's a little more representation. But it's only been like 10 years since we've had our own pride flag, since we've had an asexual visibility day or an ace week. It, it's only been a decade that we've, we've started having these things, but that doesn't mean that asexuality is new. In fact, if you go back to the Victorian era, the mid-1800s, there were doctors who were theorizing on what would eventually become to be termed asexual, but they would say things like anesthesia sexual or monosexual And so there were doctors who were noticing that there is this other group of people that aren't experiencing sexual attraction to the same or the different gender, the way we're observing in other people. So it's not a new phenomenon. We have always been here, especially with the internet and community presence. Um, It is growing. We do have a pride flag now. We do have these days and weeks to celebrate So that's wonderful. And with that is coming a little bit of better representation. Um, One of my favorite examples of television is a Netflix show called BoJack Horseman. Have you watched that? I haven't, actually. It's good. It is a heavy show. Emotionally, it can be difficult to watch at times, but... 
<laughs> there is one character, his name is Todd, and he ultimately comes out as asexual, but it is one of the most sensitively written asexual plot lines that I have ever seen. And it was a character who already developed his personality and his place in the show long before they approached the subject of asexuality. So this was already someone that people knew and they loved and they showed sort of his journey of, am I broken? He'll, he'll say things like, I don't think I'm gay, but I don't think I'm straight. I kind of feel like I'm nothing. And then it shows him going on this journey to learn the term asexual and then embrace it uh, for himself. And then it shows examples of good relationships and bad relationships um, while trying to date as an asexual. So it's, it's very clever. It's very well written and it's a really good character to present this. And when you put that in contract with, or in contrast with the house episode from years ago, it is, just leagues better, so much better. And I, I love it too, because I, I've heard from the other ace community that there are some shows that might have an asexuality episode that people get really excited about. And I'm glad for that. But if it's also one episode, it it's a very fleeting thing. It's just sort of like, hey, this is a thing that exists. And then back to your regularly scheduled program. Whereas I, I like the sort of the, the Bojack Horseman because it's a character that we know. It is a big character. It's a well-loved character. And he doesn't just say I'm asexual and then it's never mentioned again. It really shows him going through the emotional labor of coming to terms with this, embracing himself. And it's, it's really beautiful. And it is, his asexuality is ever present for the remainder of the show after after he embraces that for himself. So I think that's something that's really, really lovely that we could probably use more of in media. Oh, for sure. I I just oh, I I should have looked up. I want to say the book was called Radio Silence. It was sort of a, a young adult kind of fiction book that I read back in September, I think just of this last year. And that had an asexual character. And I almost cried because it occurred to me, this was the first fiction book I have ever read that had a canonically asexual character. And <laughs> it's, it's true that if, if you spend enough time in, you know, asexual communities online, you'll start to see that a lot of people have their own, you know, head canons. If there's a character who never explicitly has a relationship, people will say, oh, well, I, I would like to believe that this character is asexual, but we don't have a lot of canon asexuals where it is, it is named by the author and I think really naming it and calling it for what it is and giving that uh, platform is really important. And I do think we're going to start seeing more of it. We're, we're already starting to get some, but it's not quite enough. Right. Is there anything else that you think is important to share you want people to know? I just want people to know that we are people just like any other people. We can have really healthy, loving relationships if we want to. Not everybody wants to have a relationship and that is also absolutely fine. It doesn't mean that we are sad or that we are lonely or that we are lacking or that we don't have basic human empathy just because we aren't sexually attracted to other people. <laughs> And to just keep that in mind and, you know, love us and accept us if, if someone in your life uh, does come out as asexual and um, accept us into queer spaces as well. I, I've been fortunate enough that I have really been welcomed uh, with open arms at my local pride parades, you know, local LGBT bars, but I've heard from my 
fellow aces online that there are a lot of them who have been uh, gate kept out of queer spaces. I would really encourage you to understand that um, although it may be different from yours, we do have a, a queer experience and to, to not gatekeep people of any orientation out of these spaces. I suppose I should reemphasize this because this was sort of a, a bit of a negative experience I had a few years ago. I got interviewed for an article on a, a large website, someone contacted me because they were interested in my asexual marriage. And I, I told them a lot of the same things that we've talked about here today. And I re-emphasized what asexuality means. I re-emphasized that it's not celibacy, it's not abstinence. And like a month later, I get an email that the article is out. And the article was about adult virgins. Oh, Jesus. They only used about two sentences that I said in, in a half hour interview conversation. And I was just one of many virgins. And it's like, you know, of all the questions they asked me, they didn't even ask me if I was a virgin. <laughs> so, um, wow. you know, virginity, celibacy, abstinence, um, none of that has to do with asexuality. Sure, asexual asexual people might be virgins, they might not. If you meet someone in your everyday life just casually, you probably shouldn't just jump in and ask them. But um that's my my biggest piece of advice is learn learn the spectrum of experiences in order to fully understand because asexuality is not a monolith. Huge thank you to Courtney for joining me and just being so open about her experiences and clearing up some of the misconceptions and the negativity that surrounds asexuality. And thank you guys so much for listening and for your support of Know What I Heard. If you haven't already done so, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. Like us on Facebook at Know What I Heard Podcast. Follow us on Instagram. Send an email to knowwhatiheard at gmail.com if you have any questions, show ideas, comments, anything at all. Stay safe, stay healthy, let's support the asexual community, and until next time, hey, know what I heard?